Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program from RNZ Sport. I'm Stephen Houston. In the program this week, a serious knee injury has ended the career of former Silver Fern shooter Jody Brown. The Black Caps and the White Ferns remain unbeaten at the 2020 World Cup. Can they go all the way? The Warriors' Sean Johnson wants to know where the magic's gone. The All Blacks winger Julian Save gets a hard word from Hurricanes coach Chris Boyd. And mountain bikers Sam Gaze and Anton Cooper battle it out for the sole Rio Olympic spot. serious knee injury has forced former Silver Fern Jodie Brown to call time on her netball career. The 34-year-old shooter ruptured knee ligaments at a pre-season tournament in Sydney last weekend while playing for the Central Pulse. Brown retired from international netball last year. As she says, this was likely to be her last season playing in the Trans-Tasman competition. Brown told Bridget Tunnicliffe that she thought about trying to recover and return next year, but knows that that was likely to be beyond her. I have shown that I have done it before, obviously, when I um, ruptured my other ACL. So um, I knew it was doable, but I also knew how much hard work it is and what kind of level of fitness and mental side of things that you need to get back to the elite level. And I think it's just a step too far, given uh, my age and where I'm at with my family and stuff like that. Had you decided that this would be your last season? Not 100%, but um, I was very much leaning that way. had probably got my head around the fact that this was going to be my last year um, and I was really, um, I guess, focused on really helping um, the younger ones in the team and kind of leaving my mark on the pulse. So um, that was kind of the focus for me this year is still being able to really pull the pulse through um, this season and, and make it a good one but also pass on that knowledge and that experience to the younger ones coming through. It seems these days that for a netballer to go through her career without getting an ACL is almost a miracle. It seems like there's so much pressure you're putting on your body now as professional um, netballers. Yeah, I think so. I think um, you, that's the you know risk that you take when you do play netball and you do expose yourself to um, your body to all these different <clears throat> weird and wonderful ways that you decide to take the ball. But uh, it is really freaky um, that how common they are now. Um, and I was actually talking to Katrina Grant on the way over on the plane and we were talking about Tegan Phillip who has been ruled out of the Vixens with the ACL injury. And, and I actually said to Katrina, sadly this won't be the last. I, I said there'll be a couple more this season and that might have distinct me actually. Oh no. Um, and you were, you know, obviously put in a huge amount of work in the off-season, the pre-season as, as you do. So for it to for it to happen right now, there can't have been a worse time. Exactly, uh, perfectly said. You know, like I had uh, retired from the Silver Ferns um, in November, but um, knew that I had to be re- in re- still really good shape with the pulse and 
knew, um, you know, that we had a young, a lot of young ones coming through that we really had to role model for. So I guess I was lucky that I probably, um, uh, in some of the best shape in terms of fitness-wise, um, I have been in for a long time, continuing on from the World Cup and, and the Constellation Cup. And so I guess it's just disappointing that I feel really fit and healthy and really ready to go that um, it gets taken away from you so quickly. Also, just form-wise, you probably had one of the games of your life in that final Constellation Cup game against Australia last year. So were you feeling sort of, you know, on top of your game as well? Yeah, I think so. I think I was, um, I guess, given all the changes to the Silver Ferns, you kind of really learnt to adapt to play with new people and to be really um, able to slot in and out of different situations and different combinations. So I guess... um, you know, as netballers, you tend to really try and draw yourself into a, a combination with people that you really want to get used to. But we've got to the point where we could slide people in and out and it would be really um, effective and no matter who we were playing. So I think I kind of translated that into the beginning part of our pulse season where Tanya was switching us in and out constantly. And it's just being able to stay really consistent with whoever you're playing with at whatever time. And I probably got to a point where I'd really accepted that and really kind of relished that um, so yeah, it's gutting as well. And about seven changes along, yeah, about seven changes at the pulse this year. Um, how do you think the team is tracking? Well, look, I, I guess that um, kind of adds to the frustration and, and disappointment, really, because we were really starting to show really good form in Sydney. We'd had a couple of pre-season games against um, Magic and Mystics, which we developed in each of those games. But Sydney, we just um, seemed to have had taken a step up. Um, so I guess I was really proud of the fact that, um, obviously, given the devastation, the news and the, and the kind of emotional state I was in, that they were able to still support me, but also put the product out on court that we've been working on um, and not let themselves down. So um, I guess that's a positive, and um, hopefully in some way, shape or form that I'll still be able to be there to support them and to help out. Just looking back on your career, um, what, what are some things that stand out for you? I think I can't go past the 2003 World Champs when I first made the team and even though I was a youngster um, being part of that team and not not really contributing on court as much, um, I think the the lessons that I learned in terms of setting me up for my netball career from the people that were in that team were amazing and it's probably one of the campaigns that will really, really um, stick out for me. Um, And probably a game in 2005 where we played the Diamonds at Trust Arena that I think that we still hold the record for beating them by the most um, amount. So that, that was one of those games where just everyone, everything felt right um, and we just uh, yeah, got, got everything right on the day. And then obviously the last game of Constellation Cup, just finishing on a real high and, and being able to pull back from you know, what was, wasn't a great year in 2014 and, and building year in, in 2015. And, and so, yeah, to be able to finish on that, that note was pretty pleasing as well. Players, coaches, uh, who, who's had the most influence on you, do you think? Well, I have to say, you know, obviously Lois Muir brought me down from Wanganui when I was 16 down to Wellington. So she kind of started my career and, and took me under her wing. Um, so she obviously had a huge influence on my career. And then um, in Wellington, obviously I, I played with Nolene and then was coached by her as well. So she's been a big influence on my career as well. And and then I've just I've just been so lucky over the years. I've just learnt so much from, you know, the likes of Belinda Colleen and um, Anna Robery and, and Leslie Nicol and, and that kind of crop of players. So, yeah, I've been hugely lucky in my career. That was Jodie Brown talking to Bridget Tunnicliffe.
The Black Caps and the White Ferns remained unbeaten at the 2020 Cricket World Cup after three games apiece. The men's teams threw to the semi-finals of the tournament for the first time since the inaugural event in 2007. They've achieved wins over India, Australia and Pakistan with their final pool match against Bangladesh. The Black Caps opener Martin Guptill, who missed out on being picked up in the Indian Premier League auction, has shown a few sides just what they're missing out on, clubbing 80 off just 48 balls in the latest win over Pakistan. The way we're approaching it is going one game at a time, and we've played on you know, two similar surfaces uh, in Nagpur and, and Dharmashala, and, and here we got on a better wicket, and you know, we could be confronted with something completely different again in Kolkata. So once we get there and, and have a look at, at, at training at the wicket and see what it's going to be like, and then again on, on game day we just have to assess and, and see what we come up with, and I think that's what we've been able to do pretty well is assess early what sort of uh, total we can get through to and, and be able to defend that. Everyone you know, talks about uh, how IPL has been a really good factor for all the players, you know, especially foreign players. But you have been, uh, you know, you are someone who is quite uh, distinctive in that sense. Can you uh, talk us how do you, you know, really prepare yourself and how for the T20 format especially? Um, yeah, we've got a, uh, I guess we've got a, um, a mindset of being aggressive and, and just going out and having a bit of fun and at the moment, yeah, everyone is having fun playing cricket and um, we're playing some good cricket together and, and putting in some good performances. So, you know, we just have to keep going out and having a bit of fun and, and backing ourselves to the best of our abilities. And, uh, you know, if we can do that again against Bangladesh, you know, who, who knows, we can go through unbeaten. The White Ferns' final pool match is against South Africa and Bangalore on Sunday. And batter Amy Satterwhite says it's a ground they enjoy playing at, having beaten India in a T20 series there last year. We've got a really um, important last part of the, the league, I guess. It's always at the business end, as everyone calls it. So I think we've performed really well up until this point. Um, you know, and there's talk about us being, you know, favourites or you know, in a really good position and that sort of thing. But I think in any of these tournaments, you can have any of those titles, and to a certain extent, they mean nothing because. End of the day, whoever performs well on the day of those big games near the end, um, you know, often come out on top. So, I think we've just got to keep checking the way we are and keep looking at what we're doing and um, keep being really positive with that. And hopefully, then things might go away. But I think we certainly can't get too far ahead of ourselves. The White Ferns captain Susie Bates is the leading run scorer at the tournament, having made 142 at an average of 47 in the three games so far. As Satterwhite says they're pleased to be not only unbeaten, but to have won the matches they have in such a good manner. The team's going really well. It's um, obviously great to be in a position of having three wins on the board and I guess in a strong position leading into our last game. And the way we've played as well has been really pleasing with um, different people stepping up, but also I guess people at the top of the order um, playing a big part and doing their job and not letting it, I guess, be left to people down the order. And then bowlers that have been asked to do a job are, are doing a job as well. It's been a pretty, um, I guess, grueling um, time so far. I think it's a different concept than what we're used to. We've often been in a tournament and we're placed in, in one place for the, the time that we're playing our pool play stuff, so to be travelling after every game is certainly a, a new experience, I guess, for us, but something we knew coming into this tournament that was going to be different, and we've tried to be really uh, vigilant with our recovery and that sort of thing to make sure that we're in the, the best place possible looking forward to the next game and that sort of thing. So I think we're coping really well at the moment, and we've got a few days um, in Bangalore, which the girls are, are really happy to be, be back after last year. They loved it here, so that's great, and I think it's keeping everyone in, in you know, a good place. Um, and then we've got, I guess, a little bit of time to refresh before our last pool game, which I think is really good timing for us. That's White Fern, Amy Satterwhite. 
The Warriors' dismal start to the National Rugby League season, three losses in all three games, as the pressure building on the side and coach Andrew McFadden. They play their first home game of the season on Monday when they host the Newcastle Knights in Auckland. Despite not chalking up a win, playmaker Sean Johnson believes it's not far off and he says he's quite capable of absorbing the criticism coming his way. I'll run if I feel like there's opportunity to run. Um, I've done that my whole career and um, every person I've sort of, every try I've scored, every person I've stepped, every line break I've made, I've never thought, OK, I'm going to run now. You know, it's, it's off the back of instinct and uh, maybe I'm just you know, lacking in maybe a little bit of confidence with that at the moment. There's a level of frustration building after your 0-3, so sort of how do you handle that and how does the rest of the team handle it? They can't let it get on top of them. Yeah, no, we can't. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, I've certainly felt a bit of frustration after the game of the weekend, um, but that was individually, you know, that wasn't anything to do with what we were doing as a team because I thought, look, we put ourselves in a position we were leading with 10 minutes to go. Um, after a game, a game where we lost two hookers at one stage, um, facing challenges that the teams we've had to play against the quality sides that haven't had to go through that. So we're, we're there, we're, you know, and us as a group, all we can focus on is what we do you know, out there on the training field and believe that, you know, what Cappy's doing for us is working because I know looking at the tape, uh, we're not far off from it, I guess, uh, clicking for us. Is the gap between Sunday and Monday going to help you a bit because you haven't played many Monday games? Uh, no, we haven't. Um, obviously, you like to use that longer turnaround uh, whenever you get one. So um, they've been pretty good to us this week so far. Obviously, we'll get a bit of our work out on the field today, but certainly we'll have a lot of time to recover. You spoke about belief, and the team doesn't defend, I guess, the way you guys did against Melbourne unless they do believe in what you know the coach is doing and, and all the rest of it. Yeah, and there's been a lot, I guess, published by the media and um, just people who think they know the game um, about the way we're playing at the moment and about um, Cappy in particular, about me, uh, certain individuals, but you're right, we don't defend the way we did if we don't believe in something or someone and um, yeah, we're heading in the right direction, I, I really do believe that, so um, yeah, I, I really don't think it's too far off. Sure, you talk about a lack of confidence, what, what would you put that down to? Probably been out of the game for eight months. Um, yeah, the way I hurt my leg, uh, running the ball, getting tackled like that. You know, when I run the ball, I, I run to break a tackle. I run to do something. You know, I don't run just to do a hit up. I'm not a prop. So, um, putting myself in that position, getting dragged down from behind. Um, yeah, they're all things I'm getting through at the moment, and um, I know <laughs> people um, don't show too much, I guess, sympathy in that area. Um, expect me just to come out and run the ball and all the magic stuff I was doing when I got injured but it just doesn't happen like that and um, I've learnt not to get frustrated with it you know I know that part of my game is something that will come back to me you know um, there's other areas my defence kick game and just leading the boys around the park which I'm yeah, really focusing on Sure you've got a high profile in the game a high profile here in New Zealand have you got systems in place to sort of handle the, the profile at the moment outside profile that might sort of take your mind off the game No I am um, no, nah, I haven't really thought about it to be fair. I've, if anything, just said, all right, don't put up Instagram until we win. Um, that'll sort of maybe taper off a bit of the hate. So um, I, I've got, and I've had it my whole career, man. I've, this isn't the first time I've you know, had people bagging me and, and that, and I've, it doesn't change for me. I've got an awesome um, support crew around me. Um, my dad, family, friends, 
got a girlfriend now, so everything's um, everything off the field's going really well. You know, for me, it's about when I get in at this place, um, every day working hard and and building on my game. You know, and building as a team, and we're doing that at the moment. So, um, like I said, it's not far off. That's Warriors playmaker Sean Johnson. The Hurricanes coach Chris Boyd admits All Blacks winger Julian Save has a bit of work to do to get back to his best. Save has not been in top condition in the Super Rugby competition so far and Boyd has left him out of his side for Friday night's Super Rugby clash with the Southern Kings saying it has to do with giving others an opportunity. Boyd's adamant Savia hasn't been dropped. We've taken the opportunity to give uh, Jason Woodward an opportunity uh, and Matt Proctor's coming back from... Um, his uh, knee injury and so it's a good time for us to give uh, both those guys an opportunity this week. There's lots of comments about Julian's conditioning, how do you judge him? Um, mate, he's working really hard, he's working really hard as you can probably see so uh, I need to say the principal reason that we've made the changes is to give the other guys opportunity. Um, the fact that it also allows us um, or allows Julian to um, have a have a couple of weeks. You know, he was the highest minuted player in the in the Super last year. I think he was the highest minuted player in the end um, for the World Cup. And I think for him to have little blocks of of um, you know where he's out of the game, I think is 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 good for him. But the principal reason is we want to give Jason and Matt some opportunity. And he's doing extras over your shoulder as we speak. Is, are there targets you want him to hit, or is it just a chance for him to literally? No, no, no. They're not targets. He's just we've just changed his. David Gray's just changed his program slightly, so he's done some off-feet stuff and doing some slightly different stuff um, to freshen up. Is there any concerns about his performance, or does he go over Oh, look. He'd be the first person to say that you know he hasn't been in vintage form, but it's a long season and we've seen touches of what's what's coming, and um, you know we have a high expectation of of Julian every time he takes the field, which is you know it's the same as all all of the um, you know prominent players they get uh, the expectations high, and uh, it's coming. No issues with discipline or anything? Absolutely nothing. He's been. He's been, he's in our leadership group. Um, he makes a great contribution off the field uh, in the environment. Um, he's an energizer um, on the training field. He's been, he's been really good. So there's, there's no hidden agendas. There's no smoke screens here. It's just an opportunity for us to, uh, to give some time to the other boys. So after the World hey. Cup, he obviously didn't come back in the in the ideal condition you'd like him. To have been in. If you look at that um, World, World Cup cycle, there's four years worth of energy goes into going into World Cup. So, you know, year one, everyone's reasonably relaxed about the, the foot of this year. Yes, we want to win tests, etc., etc. But by the time you get through to year four, which is World Cup year, it's a really, it's a really intense mental and physical year for for the players and the coaches and everybody involved in the All Blacks and so Julian like many other All Blacks last year had a super campaign with his high expectation went into a World Cup with his high expectation those guys hadn't had much break for a long period of time and it would be fair to say that he you know he in that month or six weeks post the World Cup that uh, he probably wasn't as disciplined as he as he could have been around um 
uh, around keeping up some of his work. But uh, you know, in a in a lifetime or over in a year, I'm I'm not concerned about that. Is, is it perhaps unrealistic then? You know the seasons and the time off and that sort of thing for these guys to, or some of these people to, um, you know keep themselves up for 11 months of the year or whatever? Uh, I think I think for some it's a battle for some more than others, definitely uh, but it's the nature of the beast I mean, you know, they they um, it's part and parcel of their expectation now of, of being a rugby player and being an all black that you double up between being an all-black and playing super rugby. And so they get, through, they get through some hours. Chris Boyd talking to Barry Guy. The Cambridge mountain biker Sam Gaze isn't expecting things to be as easy for him at this weekend's Oceania Champs as they were at last weekend's National Champs in Queenstown. Gay scored a comfortable win over the Commonwealth Games champion Anton Cooper, who suffered a puncture at Cardrona. The Nationals were the first of a series of events to determine New Zealand's sole representative for mountain biking at the Rio Olympics. The 20-year-old Gaze, who rides for the American specialised global racing team, says because he's probably ranked behind Cooper for the Olympics, he has to attempt to dominate the five qualifying races for the pair. National Champs was uh, a good race for me. Uh, he did have his mechanical after I was about a minute and a half up on him. Uh, I think it was around there, minute and a half, two minutes, but... Yeah, he had a bit of unfortunate luck there, and also I don't think it was his best day on the bike. So it's, uh, I'm looking forward to racing him with both our best days, and it should be quite for an interesting little mix. But also with Oceana's coming out this weekend, it's going to be uh, um, and a couple more factors into it. You know, we've got Dan McConnell and a few fast Australians that could mix it up as well. How do you see it going? Is there going to be a, a bit of a group of you, do you think? Well, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I mean, national champs, I... Uh, was lucky enough to just make an attack and get that 15 to 20 seconds I did. And then I just rode my tempo uh, for the race. I didn't feel very pushed at all. So I'm pretty looking forward to seeing how the race will unfold here. I do want to be pushed quite bad by Dan McConnell and Anton, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes. You've obviously targeted 2016 for obvious reasons with the Olympics. You know, you, you've you've put a lot of uh, background work into this, um, you know, the series of uh, events that you have to compete in. I uh, definitely feel like I've come out uh, a lot better and a lot stronger than I have in previous years. I uh, had a bit of misfortune last year with sickness and all sorts, and again, the grips have uh, been on my first year in a pro team. And uh, I definitely feel like 2016 is a new year for me, and I feel 100% more uh, just uh, prepared for it. You know, like I've been, I've worked hard for the last month and a half, two months to get to where I am, and I'm definitely happy with how the form is coming along, so... I'm expecting big things out of myself this season for sure and uh, to see what I can do uh, on the new year. It sort of seems it's the, it's you and Anton Cooper. Sort of there's um, some sort of like a rivalry going on here. You're both sort of at the top of your game, similar ages, obviously wanting the same sort of things. Do you see it that way? Yeah, I mean, Anton's an incredible athlete. You know, he's uh, definitely takes his sport very seriously. He's a great professional at what he does. And um, I'm pretty happy. Well, yeah, it's pretty good to have my name in the same bracket as him being a two-time world champion Commonwealth gold medalist, you know. But uh, we definitely do tussle it out many times, and uh, I definitely have trained hard to try and slap my way a bit more. But, you know, he's coming prepared, and it's going to be very interesting to see how he's doing this season, and even beyond the games, you know, like it's great racing with Anton. He's a great competitor and a good friend, and so, no, it's nice. I enjoy it, and I just hope all the best for him as well. So it's probably helped you in some way, I suppose, having that rivalry. 
Yeah, of course. You know, like both me and Anton feed off each other. You know, he um, we both train as hard as we can to become the national champion at the start of the year, and that reflects on and ricochets into a very good form we both have in the early part of the season for the European Series. And so it is definitely it's great having him here in the country because it makes you really work for being a national champion. And then also that reflects onto a great, great form all through the season and lifting our game as much as we can. Now, it's unfortunate uh, with two of your young guys at the top of your game that it appears there's only going to be one spot at the Olympics. Um, you know, goodness, how, how's that feel? Yeah, you know, like we, um, the country uh, and the federation was a bit of a mishap about getting the two spots. You know, we had very good, uh, very good chance to have two spots and we had a few good riders here who could uh, help collect points for us. You know, we had Dirk Beaters and Carl Jones, which are very well respected in their own rights in the racing and so um, they could have done really well at uh, collecting points and even having a great season last year but um, obviously being uh, borderline amateur professionals that they were they didn't have enough funding to get overseas and it was a bit of a shame that we couldn't have the three riders there getting points or even four riders getting points but um, yeah it's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes and I'm sure for Tokyo it's going to be a lot different you know we should have a a good network of riders back here to get those uh, the spots. But unfortunately, this time around, there's only one rider going. And so we just have to prepare and try to be the best we can to be that rider, you know. So it'll, it will come down to results and that, you know, reputations don't count for anything? You know, it's a, it's a hard thing to say. You know, Anton, he's, he's got some very good achievements under his belt. You know, he's very decorated. He's, like I said before, twice world champion in the Commonwealth Games gold medalist. And he's got a reputation he's worked hard for. Um, but I'm hoping that it is, more off the off the pure result based database of selection period that gets the spot um, because yeah that's the same thing I'm going off really it's um I haven't got the reputation or or the background or achievements that Anton has at all but I like to see myself as being on the ball this year and so if it's done off uh, pure results I'd be a happy man. And so in these events that you've got to race, you've do you sort of have to feel that like you have to be the aggressor or? you know, to, to to approve yourself and win and that sort of thing? Yeah, I guess um, the only way I'm going to be able to do it, personally, I tell myself I have to I have to show that I'm the strongest. You know, like winning by a sprint finish in a fashion like that, that there's the tough, you know, it can be a lottery sometimes in a matter of race, but to show yourself that you are the strongest, you have to be winning on your own with a gap between you and second place. And so that's definitely my goal uh, for all these races coming into it. But also... Yeah, it's just uh, it's a bit uh, a bit different here. So the selection races, all of them have a fair amount of climbing, and they are quite. The last two World Cups in the Brest and Alpstead, uh, they're both climbers' courses. You know, these last national champs and Oceanas are both really climbers' courses. And Cairns is all rounders' course. You know, so I haven't got a course that really like um, reflects the same and is similar to the Rio course that we're going to have Olympics because the Olympics course, they usually they are power courses, they are fast courses, and made for someone with a bit more power and that sway on my side but the selection races they're all climbers courses and so that's the one thing which is standing in the way of it Sam Gaze talking to Barry Guy and that brings us to the end of extra time for another week remember if you wish to contact us you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz and you can also follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport on behalf of the extra time team I'm Stephen Hewson bye for now Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. 
Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.